This is the Luke Thomas Show podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Today on the Luke Thomas Show podcast, we're going to talk about the Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson fight. In terms of how they individually match up, we'll catch up with UFC bantamweight Corey Sandhagen to see what he's up to and what he thinks about a potential Cejudo versus Cruz title fight in his weight class. And we respond to criticism in the mailbag today at LukeThomasShow at gmail.com. And of course, the Luke Thomas Show airs weekdays, 3 p.m. right here, East Coast time on Sirius XM channel 156. Let me try an exercise with you, if I can, for, for just a moment. Um, are the fights going to take place on May 9th? Your guess is as good as mine. Where? Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, is it a good idea? I'm not going to litigate it. Let's put all that, uh, at the, for the moment, let's put it all to the side. Let's actually talk about this fight uh, that's supposed to be headlining this card on May 9th. That being Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje. Now... We've not really dug into the details on this, in part because we didn't know what the hell was going to happen for what was supposed to happen this coming weekend, and uh, you know, there's a lot of other distracting factors. As I've said before, I think the chances of this fight taking place, uh, at least relative to trying to do it on April 18th, are much better. We'll, we'll, again, we'll, we'll see how this goes, but I want to talk about the fight for a second, because I was talking to Brendan Schaub for a video that we did, and uh, he made a really interesting point that I thought was true which was, um, number one, his central belief is that Tony Ferguson versus Nurmagomedov is certainly a bigger fight, and it's certainly got a greater question that it's trying to answer. Who's the best lightweight on earth? Uh, who, who might be the best lightweight of all time? Who is, who's the guy to beat Nurmagomedov, right? There's still some questions about like what even works against this guy. Never been cut, never made off, never been knocked down, nothing. So it's just not really clear if Tony's the guy. Some believe he might be, some believe he isn't. But he's certainly unique enough and has enough offense in so many different ways that you think that whether he wins or he loses, you're going to get a lot closer to answering that question. So like the value in Nurmagomedov and Ferguson is these – and by the way, the fight would be awesome too. But in addition to the fight being awesome, it answers these really big questions – very, 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 very consequential heft to that fight. Historically rare significance, really, is what you could say. Gaethje versus Ferguson doesn't have all of that in terms of the bigness of it. Now, it's big. It's got the interim title on the line, which, again, I just don't, I can't be bothered to care about it in, in a bad way. You know, again, the, the winner will get a title, which means the next time they fight, they'll get more money. I'm not mad at that. Um, they'll get a seemingly a guaranteed title shot, although that one that remains to be seen. But, you know, we have a reason to think that that might be true. Um, but it doesn't really answer the question of, like, who's the best lightweight on the planet. It doesn't really get us anywhere, quite literally, in terms of who's the guy to beat Nurmagomedov, and if so, why? Like, what are the things that they bring to the table that would enable you to answer this question effectively? It doesn't do any of that stuff. Um, and I certainly, you know, I don't think it would be for, you know, the, the best lightweight ever, it has a lot less historical and contemporary significance to it. It's, it's very significant in its own way, but not, not comparatively. But Brendan's point I thought was well taken, which is that it, it, his belief is that it would be much more exciting to watch Gaethje and Ferguson fight versus Nurmagomedov and Ferguson. And his argument is not that like Nurmagomedov versus Ferguson would be boring. It'd be great. But that... The all-action-oriented style of Justin Gaethje, it's hard to make a claim that he'd be in a less exciting fight than one Nurmagomedov is in. It's hard to argue that. Now, when you say better fight, better means a lot of different things. Better is a question of the stakes. Better is a question of the atmosphere. Better is a question of, you know, sometimes the luck in terms of how the fight plays out. Um, ultimately, it's hard to know what would be better, but his belief is that it'd be a lot more action-packed minute over minute in the Gaethje versus Ferguson fight. I don't know that that's wrong. I don't think that that's wrong. I don't think that that's wrong at all. And that seems actually quite right. It, it has a different kind of appeal than the one that 
number of Gamedov offers relative to Ferguson. Because you look at the numbers for Gaethje. Now, they, they, he's narrowed this, but he actually he lands over eight strikes per minute and absorbs over nine. Now, that differential used to be wider. He's narrowing that as he's gotten better in his last three fights with this sort of new, you know, somewhat accommodated style to defense. Uh, but he's got, obviously, balls to the wall. He's attempted literally zero takedowns in his UFC career. Zero. Never tried. He's been taken down a couple of times, but no one ever really holds him down. And a lot of times, they only take him down once he's been, like, dramatically hurt. You know, towards the end of the Alvarez fight, towards the end of the Poirier fight, stuff like that. So he's just going to be in Tony's face. He's going to be in Tony's face the whole time. Justin Gaethje is also the hardest hitter in that division, I think, in terms of the knuckle game, pound for pound. And as I mentioned, he's got this sort of new adapted style where he'll take a he'll take a shot to give one but not as much as he used to he's much more clever about finding openings playing with range not just you know pouring out the uh, as my as my co-host of morning combat Brian Campbell might say pouring out the jug right away he'll pour it out but just not all at once right he's a little bit more he's clever with it and uh, Trevor Whitman has done a great job in improving him and here's the other thing you have to consider two other factors Beyond just that, that I've sort of really got my eye on when I think about this fight. One is the obvious one, which is Gaethje is a tough fight for anyone in that division, and especially this newer version of him. He is uh, also the exact opposite of what Nurmagomedov offered as a threat to Ferguson. Nurmagomedov can stand up to the extent he can; he needs to. We could actually do pretty well with it at times, but it's really not how he's going to win fights. He can use it to bridge certain parts of a fight to set up other parts of his game that he's obviously known for, but that's really not what's going to do the predominant amount of damage. It's not, it's not what he is going to really um, base his winning on. Total opposite with Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje gets this like you know reputation as a wrestler because, hello, he quite literally was one, but when it comes to MMA, he, it, zero takedowns attempted in his UFC career. Zero. Six fights in, nothing. Not one. He is the exact opposite fight. So in addition to the fact that this is totally different, um, and if you have Justin Gaethje win, uh, by the way, that whole number Gamedov fight goes away, you're risking that. Here's the other factor to consider beyond that. Dude, Justin Gaethje is going to get an extra three weeks to get ready for him. Now, that's not the most amount of time in the world, and I suspect Tony's going to come in dialed in as he kind of always does and always is, I should say, perhaps. But, dude, that has ratcheted up to me the upset potential significantly. Now, you might still think, and let's, we'll check this on the air, you might still think that Tony deserves to be the favorite, and I'd agree. I wouldn't challenge it. But let's see where they have it. Um, they actually removed the... Oh, here we go. They've got Tony as a slight favorite, about a minus 160 to a plus 127. That sounds about right to me. They've got Tony as a something of a f pretty modest, very modest favorite. I think that's right. And the extra three weeks you're giving Justin Gaethje... That only helps Gaethje. It helps Tony a little bit in the sense that he now realizes he has to, I'm sure he realized it before, but it gives him a little bit extra time to prepare for someone who is radically different from Nurmagomedov as a challenge. But at the same time, it also gives Justin uh, extra time to work on potential entries, get his cardio up to where it needs to be, get his weight monitored, the, the, you know, the whole nine yards. He's never been that big of a lightweight anyway, but... It just gives him that little bit much more of an extra cushion. I have to tell you, man, this is a very, very dangerous fight for Tony Ferguson. Dangerous fight for Justin Gaethje, but Justin Gaethje is still trying to prove his worth in that division. He's come a long way, but he's not at the same kind of point that Tony is, which is undefeated quite literally since 2012. Been an interim champ before. If he gets it again, this will be his second time in UFC. He's also a little bit older, sitting at 36 years old. I mean, the stakes for, for Tony are high, independent of opponent at this point. Then you add in what is lost to the sport if he loses here. 
Then you add in some of the other factors when you think about what Gaethje brings to it, which is, as Brendan indicated, another way of saying, you know, it's more fun is another way of saying it's heavily actioned on the feet. Justin Gaethje never attempting a takedown in his UFC career. Having now three extra weeks to do this, and he's the total opposite fighter in terms of what he would offer Tony relative to Nurmagomedov. He can wrestle defensively if he needs to, and that might come into play against Tony. Uh, But, dude, (laughs) Tony, man, I I give both guys unbelievable amounts of credit because Tony has taken a huge risk here and you know anybody who has the the courage and really the ability to challenge Tony deserves to be taken seriously and I know all real fight fans take both of these guys seriously I just think it's worth saying out loud this is an interesting fight it's not the same fight as the Nurmagomedov fight for all the reasons articulated but it's arguably perhaps a little bit more dangerous it's uh certainly different and while Gaethje may not be as prepared as he ordinarily would be if he had you know 10 12 weeks to get ready he presents some unique threats early that you know typically Nurmagomedov doesn't Nurmagomedov is the kind of guy where I mean if you aren't up to par he'll just overwhelm you quickly that is true but if you've got some skills your defense kind of slows him it doesn't stop him it just kind of slows him and then he gets to a point where you know, obviously he'll overtake most people or just beat them on points. You know, Justin Gaethje is, you know, he, he, the judges have a, have a nice light night when he shows up, right? Michael Johnson didn't go to the judges. Poirier didn't go to the judges. Alvarez didn't go to the judges. Vic didn't go to the judges. Let's see, Barboza didn't go to the judges. Cerrone didn't go to the judges. It's a different kind of fight, man. It's a very, 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 very different kind of fight. So we'll see. We'll see how things go, but it's worth thinking about some of the differences between Nurmagomedov and Ferguson, and Nurmagomedov, excuse me, and then Ferguson versus Gaethje. And there's a lot of trade-offs in the negative direction, and I don't want us to lose, obviously, an ultimate chance at Ferguson versus Nurmagomedov. But you know, this is all out of our control at this point. I mean, who the hell knows how this is all going to go, honestly? And while there are some trade-offs in the negative direction, it's also worth thinking about some trade-offs in the positive direction. We'll see if it ends up happening on March, excuse me, on May 9th. Basketball has become a global game. From legends such as Hakeem Olajuwon and Dirk Nowitzki to today's superstars like Giannis and Luka Doncic. Giannis to the rim, slam it with a left hand. There's no shortage of international talent in the NBA. World of Basketball with Fran Fraschilla is a podcast dedicated to profiling the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the sport in their countries. New episodes are available Thursday on the SiriusXM app and Pandora Podcasts. All right, joining me now on the hotline is a gentleman you might know, a top-ranked UFC bantamweight. As I mentioned, we've all kind of had a weird 2020. His has certainly had a, a few different paths uh, that, that have kind of led to, not, I'm not sure where, actually. It's the one and only Corey Sandhagen. Hi, Corey. How are you? Hey, I'm good, Luke. How are you doing, man? Good. Corey, so you're based out of Denver, if, if memory serves, yes? Yep, Denver, Colorado. How is Denver these days? It's okay. The weather's good for about five days of the week, and then we get a storm, and then it snows for about two days, and then it goes away. But uh, it's okay. It's not a bad place to be during this whole thing, I suppose. I don't. I haven't looked at the numbers for outbreaks for uh, COVID nineteen there. I don't think it's too bad, is it? No, it's not too bad. We were expected to get really bad last week. We had we've had about four hundred deaths, but yesterday I think we just released like eight hundred people from the hospitals or something. So it's getting a lot better. Good. Now, how are you? The big question for training is, like, what are you able to do? I'm able to uh, – I have, like, a barbell and some not-that-heavy weights downstairs, uh, which I guess is okay for me since I'm not the biggest, strongest guy in the world anyways. Um, and then I, I just got a bob yesterday, so I've, I've kind of been hitting the bob a little bit now. And the then uh, what's, my, the, what's the bob? The bob is like that uh, – the heavy bag that is shaped like a person – Oh, oh. You seen that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like think the that, ones yeah, that like Thai boxers use to practice the clinch and stuff? Yep, yep, yeah. one of those things. Uh, and then uh, my girlfriend's been holding the Taekwondo paddle for me downstairs, so that's, that's pretty much all I've been doing. Lots of runs, too, lots of trail running. But So I guess your Taekwondo's really coming along? Yeah, kind of, actually, man. It's, it's actually pretty decent now. 
Uh, well, I don't know when we're going to see it, but I look forward to it. Um, have you talked to other fighters you usually train with? How is, what is the general mood, the the feeling among the uh, the fighter community in which you are embedded? Um, you know, I'm not I'm not too sure. I know a few of the guys are still training, but uh, a lot of the guys aren't from Colorado. They don't have family here. They live by themselves. So I don't think they're as concerned with the whole uh, getting people sick thing, which um, – it's kind of a shame, but I, I mean, they don't have family here and stuff. So, uh, I get it. Uh, a few of them, I know we're getting ready for fights because the UFC was still running fights. Apparently this UFC is still running fights on May 9th. So I think a few guys will probably still have to be in the gym getting ready for that. Um, I think Overeem is back in town, so maybe he'll be doing that too. I'm not sure, but, uh, to be honest, man, I just been living in my own little world for the last three or four weeks. It's it's been a little bit challenging just because I kind of hit the mark of like, I'm pretty sick of this and I'm getting kind of sad not being able to go to the gym anymore. But, uh, on the other hand, it's been nice to take a big breath from the day to day kind of mentality of putting a lot of pressure on myself to get better every single day. So it's been kind of nice, you know? Yeah. Um, a lot of people I know who consistently train tell me for the first time in a long time, if there's, I mean, not training is not what they want to do. But now that they're kind of forced into it, they said like their body has f- never felt this great in actually a long time because they haven't taken this long of a time away from the gym short of some kind of traumatic injury or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I take good, decent care of my body. I'm not too dinged up. So uh, that's not that's not really what's been kind of the nicer part for me. I, I suppose the nicer part for me is um, – just taking us it feels like I, I was forced to take a little bit of a step away from kind of that because when I wake up in the morning and I think most fighters are like this there's only the only thing that crosses their mind is I need to get better today and that's and I need to I need to make that happen so how am I going to make that happen and then you go in and you're really competitive with other people during all the practices and uh it's, I don't know. I, I found out that that's quite exhausting. So when I wake up in the morning and I'm just like, ah, I guess I'll just have fun in the basement, hitting the bob and using the Taekwondo paddle and having some fun with that. Uh, it's, it's kind of been nice, you know, mm. a little break for a break from competition, I guess you could say it has been, has been kind of nice. Yeah. It certainly can wear on you mentally. You indicated something I thought was kind of interesting. I told you I, I have, um, I, I'm not going to debate the merits of it, but I have to tell you, I have been very alarmed and surprised at some of the cavalier nature of um, how folks in the MMA community have treated this. Now, I get not everybody lives in New York City where obviously it's just a, you know, th- that virus is running through that place in the most terrible of ways. And uh, some places, that they barely feel it at all. I get it. But there's just been this like pervasive theme throughout the sport where it's like, is this really all this bad? And it's like, do we really have this like widespread, complete and total distrust of public health officials and the recommendations? Like, we're just thinking world governments are shutting down just for the fuck of it. Like I, I've been very, I've been very surprised by some of the reactions. I mean, we do, man. Like, I think that, uh, I think that mistrust in pretty much anything that's being told to us by the media or by the government is, uh, is a very hugely American thing. And, uh, I don't know if it trickles down into other cultures too, but I know that, I know that that's the case, you know? And, uh, and even I'll, I'll kind of fight myself being like, man, should I, should I just go into the gym? Is it really that bad? Colorado just released, blah, blah, blah. And, I'm, and then I have to stop myself. And I'm like, man, like this isn't an opinion. Like <laughs> I don't get to have an opinion about something that I'm not an expert on at all. So it does take a lot of trust. And especially when it feels like uh, they're kind of putting – they're hitting the pause button on your life. Uh, you, I mean – then then you're having a battle inside of your head of whether or not what you want to do uh is something that should be done and uh and it's just weird man it's just like a uh it's weird to see that there's that mistrust in what's going on and i i'm kind of a skeptical person about what i see on the media and stuff too but also at the same time when it's something this serious it's like I mean, I'm not an expert. Just listen to the experts. You know, whether you trust them or not, you, I mean, you got to take their word for it because people are dying. At least for now, right? At least for now. Um, yeah. h- how many people in the house or the apartment where you live with is it just you and your 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 uh, significant other? 
Yes, yeah, me and my girl, and then uh, we have one roommate downstairs who's actually a body worker. So uh, she's actually been helping me a lot with like my strength and conditioning stuff, and she's really into uh, sprints and runs and stuff like that too. So it's been nice to have like a workout partner too. All right, so um, let's talk about the the current scope of things. So, <laughs> I mean, first of all, I, I think this is just my opinion. I think uh, for whatever it's worth, May 9th, I. I think the chance of that show happening is a greater than the skeptics do because I think the UFC has learned a few lessons in this process. They could go to Florida where they have, you know, I'll assume the commission will sanction that. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Or they could just go to Nevada and we'll see. They, there's a lot of ways where it's more likely than it would have been for this weekend. Uh, and the one on May 9th has a bantamweight title fight at the very top of it. Henry Cejudo taking on Dominic Cruz. What's really interesting about that is Dominic Cruz hasn't fought in three and a half years and is unranked. I don't think I've ever seen an unranked opponent. Maybe Randy Couture, when he came back and fought Tim Sylvia, just really skipped the queue like that. So let's let's break down different pieces of this first. The fight. What do you make of the fight itself before we get to how you're maybe involved in not and everything else? Yeah, so I mean, I guess all emotions and opinions aside, um, I, I think it's going to be a good fight, if I'm being honest. You know, I think... Uh, I'm excited to watch Cruz again. I'm a fan of Cruz. Uh, I think Cejudo's a really great fighter. I think Cruz has a different style, which will be fun to watch Cejudo have to go against. Um, because a lot of the guys in the division right now, I'm not going to say that they all have very identical styles, but uh, I think that Cruz's is probably the farthest uh, from, I guess, what you could call fundamental. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a good fight, all, all things aside. But, uh, yeah, are you going to ask me my, my feelings about it <laughs> yeah. next, and I'm assuming? <laughs> that's where we go next. It's a weird situation. So actually, before I ask you your feelings on it, did UFC offer you an opportunity to fight Cejudo? No. So they went Heck straight no. to Cruz. Yeah. Right, um, so tell me how you feel about it. Well, I don't, I don't really know. Well, I get, I, I've been asking around how I should feel about it too because uh, I, I don't know how to feel about it because I don't really know um, where – where kind of the injustice feels like it's coming from. To me, it seems like Cejudo's definitely not choosing who I believe to be the toughest guys in the division right now, right? Like, I, I think Aldo's great. I think Cruz is great. But uh, right now, they're, they're not the toughest guys in the division. Marais beat Aldo. Granted, it was a close fight. Um, at least have Aldo win one before he was going to get a title shot. Cruz too, like I mean, Cruz's last loss was against Cody, who has lost his last two or three, which is just like, like Suhudo's not looking for the toughest fight. Suhudo's looking for the biggest name, which is which is something that all fighters kind of have to run through. Like, okay, what is my motivation in this sport? Is my motivation to make the most money? Is it to fight the biggest names and get the most famous, or is it to actually, in my opinion, be the best martial artist that you can be? And in order to do that, you have to fight the best guys. So that's why I'm in the sport. I get it. These guys are a little bit older. They're on their way out. Maybe they're just trying to cash in on a bunch of checks before, before, before retiring, which is fine, you know, but right now that's not my motivation. That's not where my value lines up. So it upsets me a little bit more than normal. Um, that being said, I think that, uh, it's a little bit of a shame for myself because I don't know really what I'm doing wrong in order to not get my name thrown in the bunch a little bit more than it is. Like, I don't think Henry said my name once. Um, and I think that on paper, I probably, I believe that I have the best resume. You know, I think that everyone is very high on Jan, uh, the UFC, the fans. I, I know that they're kind of wanting to give Jan the next title shot, um, which to me is crazy because he had two really close fights with Rivera and Dodson. And, uh, and then just beat Faber and Faber's not the same Faber that Faber was. So, and then you have Al Jermaine, who my last win against a Sun uh, was a fight that he lost. And then Marais at the top, who I don't know that the UFC will give him, uh, another, uh, title shot right, right after that, especially how the fight went. So I think that those three guys, I have a better resume than, so I don't, it, it's, it's a little upsetting, and I'm not saying maybe I should be the next one because I know that things take time. It takes time to build up fighters or whatever, and I got to the top really quickly, so I get it. But 
also at the same time, I don't really know why my name isn't being thrown in the mix as much as it is. One thing you can agree with, though, it's like Jan has a good resume, right? Maybe you feel like yours is better. But here's one big difference, dude. And I say this is a compliment of Jan. He's got a big mouth. He's got a yeah. huge mouth, man. He is constantly chirping on social media, getting in people's faces quite literally at events. I, I mean, it didn't didn't pay off for him this time. Of course, I, I guess he's based in Russia, so he probably couldn't get out anyway. But uh, that has to be a big reason. I know that sucks, dude. I talked to fighters like Ryan Hall. They're like, I don't want to do that stuff. I'm not in it to do that stuff. You sound totally like him right now. So understanding a little bit how the game is played. Sure. Do you have a roadmap for the rest of the year, assuming that they call you up? Um, roadmap? No, I mean, it's a little bit weird because everything's kind of had a wrench thrown in it since, I mean, what's Aldo going to do? Poor Aldo, man. Like <laughs> Aldo's stuck in his country, missing out on fighting for an, or another world championship. Um, so I feel bad for that guy more than anything, but, uh, at the same time, I think that, uh, a lot of fights right now are going to do a lot of good for me. Um, I don't know if Aldo, maybe the UFC worked something out with Aldo where they promised him a title shot after this because I mean, he is kind of getting screwed. Um, so I don't really know what they're doing. You know, I would love to fight Frankie, Aldo, Al Jermaine, um, assuming that Jan and Marais are still fighting. I, now that everyone's saying Jan, which I didn't realize everyone was so high on uh, when they were kind of all making the matches, or else I maybe would have tried to target him a little bit more. But assuming Jan and Marais is still happening, I would love to fight Al Jermaine, Frankie, Aldo, any of those really big names, man. I, I just, right now, I feel like I just need big names. Uh, what was the story between you and Cruz? You guys were scheduled to fight, I guess, for the the San Diego card, or at least you had been about you had been offered a bout agreement at, at a bare minimum. What fell apart there? Yeah, so I was offered to fight Cruz. So how it was working is we were trying to all figure out what the next steps were for the bantamweight. Or, or and when I say all of us, I think the UFC was trying to figure out where to go with the division, and I was speaking with my manager. So. Uh, I knew that they were probably going to do Marais, Jan, uh, me, and Sterling. So I knew that it was probably going to be us four that were getting matched up. So when when all of that was happening, uh, my agent called me and said, hey, Cruz said that he's fighting in San Diego and that the UFC likes you and him that match up the most. And I was like, okay, sweet. that That's perfect. Um, so I don't even know if he was offered the fight um or what but uh i'm assuming that he was because i don't really know that the ufc would just say that so um maybe they did but uh so i uh, i of course was all excited about the cruise fight and then some uh, some days passed and i was like why haven't we gotten an answer it seemed i mean it was i think maybe eight or seven weeks away i was like we kind of got to get an answer on this and then uh and then my agent said that Cruz changed his mind. And so, like, I was giving myself the narrative of, I mean, Cruz doesn't want to fight me either, you know? I think that they're, which may or may not be the case because I don't think that if you beat me, you're getting a title shot right afterwards. And I think that that's what Cruz was looking for. So, I mean, why take that risk? Um, I, I just think that I'm a very... Uh, high risk low reward fight right now and it's and it kind of is a is a bad spot to be in but to my knowledge that's what happened and then i made that post kind of getting Cruz to uh, i mean to be honest i was trying to get him to say yes on that day you know because i wanted an answer uh and then the next day is when i got the news that he had changed his mind and i kind of took that as him not trying to fight me but who knows if that's the real narrative or not you know like i, I don't want to be the guy that uh, I don't want to be like Tony saying that uh, Khabib is scared when <laughs> I don't think Khabib is really scared. I don't think anyone's really scared to fight anyone at this level of the game. But I also think that there's higher reward fights and lower reward fights and higher risk fights and lower risk fights. And I think that I'm on a I'm on the scale of high risk, low reward, and that's not not a great place to be for myself. Isn't it shocking that the people went after Khabib? Like, here's the thing: I get Tony being disappointed, <laughs> you know. You've been waiting for five times to make this fight. I don't really judge Tony for saying the stuff that he said. But it is amazing to me that there was like a part of the community that went after Khabib for like, oh, you're ducking him. It's like, let me see if I understand this right. This dude from the <laughs> toughest part of the world 
who's undefeated and maybe the most and maybe the most difficult weight class, never been knocked down, never even been cut. That's the dude y'all said is running away. It's like that's uh, that's that's not the target I would have picked for necessarily being a chicken. <laughs> what did you make of that one? Uh, I mean, dude, Khabib probably doesn't even know what it's like to be afraid. You know, like he's probably, he's probably, he probably doesn't know what it's like to be afraid. He probably doesn't know what it's like to have any feelings, man. That guy looks like he's, and I'm saying that sarcastically. I think yeah. that he probably does, but, uh, that, that dude's like a stone cold killer, man. Like he could be a, he could be an assassin in like any Kung Fu movie or any type of, uh, action movie that there is, but. Yeah, man, it, it's it's weird, you know, like it, it's a it's a weird day, I think, in social media where uh, a lot of people get a lot of platforms and a lot of those people are sometimes idiots and say stupid <laughs> stuff and uh, people just kind of go along with it for the for the sake of uh, it being what they want to be the case when it's really not the case. Now, uh, I asked you if the UFC had offered you the uh, Cejudo fight, but let's back up another step. Have they offered you any fights in any kind of real direct way, even on the end of these short-term cards? Have they targeted you for any fights in May or June or something like that? Uh, not yet. So one... <laughs> hey, stop, <man>. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> who's Sorry. the dog? Hold on a who's the dog? <laughs> That's Marley. He goes crazy. He's Marley. huge, huh? Yeah, that's yeah. a big boy. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, you were saying. Um, yeah, so uh, before all of this happened... Um, I never got a contract, but it was to my understanding because me and Aljamain have the same, uh, we have the same agent. It was to my understanding that me and Aljamain both agreed to fighting on that San Diego card on May 16th. Um, obviously everything got a wrench thrown in it. Uh, uh, Aljamain is in New York, which I know is not a great place to be with all of this. And you definitely have to take it, I think, very, very serious, probably even more serious than uh, maybe most of the country has to take this thing. So I'm assuming that Aljamain wasn't having much training. Um, so, uh, so yeah, um, we were scheduled to fight that kind of ended all of that. Uh, to my understanding, I don't really know what's going on because it was just announced a few days ago or whatever that the UFC was going to have the shows on May 9th, which I mean, who knows if that's even going to happen or not. So I'm going to have a meeting with my agent a little bit later and kind of talk talk through that. But uh, I, I would feel most comfortable fighting in June, I think, uh, against one of those guys, Frankie Aldo or Aljamain, um, just because our lock-in lock or shelter-in-place thing is done next week. So apparently, you know, it could go longer. But uh, And then June is six weeks away from next week. So I'm okay with having a little bit shorter of a camp uh, – but, but I want to do things responsibly, and I also want to get good training in and uh, be able to actually show up on fight day the best that I could be. All right, before I let you go, uh, any recommendations for like either like a movie or like a book or a thing you saw on TV to like help pass the time during quarantine? Yeah, do you uh, you know the show Survivor? Like the one like on CBS, like the long-standing one? Uh-huh. Yeah. Dude gotta watch survivor have you watched any seasons of it I, I, you know what's so funny the program director of this station is like the biggest survivor fan uh i've never gotten into it to be honest with you did it i know it seems uh a little weird and it but it's like a reality tv show that doesn't actually feel like reality tv show and i feel like that's really hard to come by nowadays um but dude, the show is really, really good. You got it. Like I think we've watched we've watched at least three seasons here in my house. We've been watching them every night. We watch like two or three of them a night. Uh, but Survivor is a really, really good TV show. Um, I just got finished watching Narcos, so yes. I feel like I know. I know. did you have you watched Narcos? Yes, yes, I've watched that, good, and, and I've watched all the Narcos Mexico seasons too. Which one's better? The Mexico one I started, but I'm not crazy about it yet. No, wait, you finished all the Colombian ones? You finished I the finished Cali Cartel the... one? Uh-huh. Um, Narcos season one of Mexico. Narcos Mexico season one, so-so. Narcos Mexico season two, fire. Absolute really? Fire. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, it okay. picks way back up in the second Nice, season. nice. Okay, that's good news. Yeah, because I'm going to finish this one. Probably in about a day, maybe two days, <laughs> and then and then and then I'll start that one up. So next time I talk to you, I'll, I'll be through them. 
All right, we'll start a podcast. We'll talk about all the the uh, Narcos episodes. It'll be great. Yeah, uh, yeah Corey, I really appreciate this time, man. It sounds like you got your head on your shoulders, screwed in about as tight as we possibly can, given all the circumstances. I wish you nothing but the best, and I guess we'll see how this all plays out. Thank you for your time. Yep, right on, Luke. Thanks for having me on, man. Talking to the biggest names in pro wrestling. Friend of the show, Cody Rhodes. I particularly told people living in fear is no way to live. And honestly, I just wanted the platform to say that we're all in this together and that we're going to get through this. And please enjoy the two hours of hopefully escape and distraction uh, we have for you tonight. I, this is a very unique time for a wrestler. Busted Open, Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation. Mail time. Mail time. News here. Have a question about MMA, sports, entertainment, or life in general? If people just came to me for the answers, the world would be a better place. Email Luke at LukeThomasShow at gmail.com and get the answers to all those burning questions during the Luke Thomas Show Midweek Mailbag. All right, we're back. Luke Thomas Show. As you guys know, every Wednesday we normally do the mailbag. LukeThomasShow at gmail.com. Didn't get a chance yesterday due to an abbreviated schedule, but we are going to do that here today. Time for the TLTS Midweek Mailbag. As I mentioned, the Luke Thomas Show at gmail.com is the best place to reach us every day of the week, including your voicemails. But for the written ones, we kind of reserve them for this part of the show. And of course, this is your chance to steer it. Whatever you want to do. Do you want to talk about booze? Do you want to talk about... Cobb's fascination with pornography. Do you want to talk about bandits being, you know, a girly man? All those kinds of things. That is your choice. LukeThomasShow at gmail.com. All right, Cobb. How are the emails today? Uh, they go all over the place. We got some, uh, you know, pro uh, love what we're doing with the show stuff. Some other, you know, criticisms of our COVID-19 coverage. And then some random uh, questions about stuff we've been doing on the show. Oh, can we start with the criticisms? I'm in a mood to fight today. Is that where we want to start today? Yes, I do. All right, well, give me one. That's what, that wasn't where I was going to start, so just give me one moment to get to it. Fair enough. I understand. Yeah, I know. People are like, I'm so sick of it. Dude, listen to any other radio show that doesn't have a sport going. So, like, if you listen to NFL radio, it might be a little bit different, obviously, because the draft is not far away. But if you like, if you cover, I don't know, tennis or uh, basketball or whatever, dude, everybody is talking about COVID. COVID nineteen eats into every part of our lives, so this ought to be good. Let me hear. Let me guess. Everything is a hoax. Is that what it is, Cobb? No, no, not that. This is actually. I went with this one because at least this person offered up some stuff that we could be talking about, which I'll let you decide right here. So this comes from All right. uh, Patience, who says uh, that's not the real name, is it? I don't know. But uh, it says, uh, I did not see the update. When did this show become about COVID-19 and politics and complaining? If I want to hear about Corona, I have Sirius XM 110, and even they have a station now just for that. I want to have something besides nonstop Corona talk. I could watch CNN or Fox for that. Are you still able to make a compelling show without an active event? That t- that t- I think they meant to say that takes, but that takes a lot of skill, I admit, and it's easier to just parrot COVID news. So here are some ideas. Talk about past fights, fantasy fights, hypothetical GOAT matches, MMA strategies, fighter interviews even. Do people have to actually start calling and complaining? Channel 156 is fight radio. The other hosts still seem to know this. That's a good good joke this person wrote. That's a good joke. Let me explain explain how this works since apparently I'm the only one who does. Go through that list one more time of his brilliant suggestions. Walk through them, please. Uh, so we had uh, MMA fantasy. Ah, I just lost it. So essentially, it was MMA fantasy uh, goat talk. Wait, how do you not fantasy. have the email in front of you? Can you pull the Can you pull the email up? I want to make sure we get this right. Because I accidentally just deleted it. Don't <laughs> so delete them. Save them. There's no need to delete them. No, not deleted it. I just I meant I X'd it out off of my uh, yeah. my screen here. So just give me one second. Pull it back up. All right, I got it. I love these suggestions. It's like, dude, people seem to not realize um, I've been doing this a while, and I know what works and I know what doesn't. But, but, but uh, by all means, please, anecdotal evidence listener, 
let, let me know what I could be doing. So, so this was it. Here are some ideas. Talk about past fights, fantasy fights. Hypothetical start, wait, 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 wait. One at a time, Cobb. Okay. One at a time. Past fights? Okay, nobody gives a fuck. Nobody gives a fuck. How do I know this? Uh, everybody in sports is struggling with this right now. This idea that you can go back and discuss these great moments in sports history and that this will be a substitute for current practices, you can hit a home run on occasion with that. But in general, and when I say in general, I mean upwards of 90% of the time, not only does it not match current interest levels, and we can measure this in active listens, downloads, any number of things, uh, any talk of previous sporting events is fractions of what ordinary sports talk would get. Not even close. If I want to waste my time, by the way, talking about fights, I'm not even really all that interested in. I'm doing it on my YouTube channel a little bit, you know, just to give people something to stop complaining about. Um, we could do some of that here. Trust me when I say it will be the least listened to segment on this show every single time we do it. That's a guarantee from you to me. Next. Fantasy fights. Fantasy fights. Gee, Cobb, doesn't that sound like something someone would say who knew fuck all about radio? Well, yeah, why don't we talk about Superman versus Batman and how fun that might be? Or Fedor versus, I don't know, Brock Lesnar. And we could go on about it. You know who'd listen to that? Nobody. Nobody gives a flying F about that kind of content for sports radio. It does not work. It has never worked. It will never work. You could do it on one day of a live program if you were bored and there was nothing else to talk about and you could take calls or something. But like as a general programming signpost, you could go back to. I'm going to tell you one more time. I've looked at the numbers. I know what works. <laughs> I know what doesn't. That will fail almost every time. What's the other ones? This essentially is just an offshoot of fantasy fights, but hypothetical goat matches. Oh, buddy. I mean, this guy's really just pouring out the brilliance here. What's next? MMA strategies. MMA strategies, Cobb. Cobb, why haven't we talked more about arm bars from the guard? I can't believe we haven't figured out that that would be the scintillating radio that would really pull people in at a time of national crises. Yes, why haven't we talked more about using the fence to stand up or why the jab hasn't really gone out there and just showed people what time are these people living in a dream world the, I, I, here's the thing there are people <laughs> out there who are hardcore mma fans who listen to like clown penis dot farts mma tactic show which has 15 listeners and they can get into topics like this if you want to have no audience and have nobody care about what you do I highly recommend getting into topics like this. That's just, that's just a personal recommendation, Cobb. By the way, even if we did it, for every one person that enjoyed that, there'd probably be four people doing the whole, oh, you never fought, Luke. What gives you the right to talk about yes. anime strategy? So. No, but here's the thing. You'd get a little bit of that. But here's what, here's what this person solves for. Here's what all these recommendations solve for. You would get less complaining. Do you know why you'd get less complaining? Because you'd have a lot less people listening. They just tune out. They don't get, people don't give a shit about stuff like this. You think they do because you haven't looked at the numbers, but I have. They don't. There's a, <laughs> I like how people think I've been doing this for 10 years, and it just never occurred to me to consider alternative ways of doing content, which isn't to say that every way we get it right is the right way, or every, every way we do it rather is the right way, and there's not ways to do it better. But these are like, sir, I don't mean to like disparage you. These are amateurish suggestions. From somebody who knows nothing about what they're talking about. What else? Uh, the last thing here was fighter interviews, which we've been doing. Fighter interviews, fine. We did. We have Corey Sandhagen on the show today. Uh, hold on, my, well, I got my dog coming in. There's Barbara's right here in my room. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we'll do. We'll do some. We'll do a couple of those. But it's like, hey, what are you up to? Uh, sitting inside, <laughs> you know, not doing nothing. You know, watching <laughs> fucking Tiger King. Now, Corey had some interesting things to say. So, okay, we can, do, we can do some of those. That's not the worst suggestion in the world. But it's like, really? Fighter interviews? You know? The, it, fighter, fighter interviews are sometimes some of the best stuff you can do. But they're often a crutch for lazy podcasting. It's a crutch for lazy radio. Hey, let's kill some airtime by having a conversation that basically doesn't need to take place. Sandhagen is interesting because... 
there's a title fight in his weight class happening, and um, you know he got skipped over. And so there's a question like how he feels about that and what the road ahead is and blah blah blah. Yeah, okay, fine. But but understand something. If I wanted to listen to COVID nineteen talk, I'd go somewhere else. Here's my suggestion: go somewhere else. Not 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 going to begrudge you at all. COVID nineteen is a once in a century event. That is eating into everything that we do. It defines how you live each day from where you wake up to what you eat to to uh, your daily activity to what you watch on the news. To what, it is, has infected everything, quite literally to an extent, because it has just enveloped every part of our life. I can't do a show divorced from that if I want to represent the world that we live in. And I would much rather do a show that represents the world that we live in. And talk. And by the way, Cobb, like how many COVID segments are we doing? Like, well, uh, the virus has uh, 70 patents uh, for vaccines in the pipeline. We're doing it how it intersects with life, how it affects the restaurant industry, the comic book industry, the cinema and movie industry, entertainment, music, shows. Because the whole idea is how does it impact all the various cross-sections of society? If you want to listen to clownpenis.farts MMA podcast of 15 audience members where they get into shit 15 people care about, highly encourage you to go. Highly encourage you to go. I would rather talk about big, broad topics that are simply unavoidable. The whole idea that you want to avoid them, this is the wrong time to do that. It's the wrong time to do that. Anything else in this person, Cobb? No, that's about it. What, what, since people think I'm a jerk job, would you like to weigh in on this topic in a sort of a macro perspective? What is it about it that you and I just haven't figured out that the audience has? I don't know. I think the audience seems to think that our job to them is to somehow distract them from this horrible thing that's happening in the outside world. But we can't do that. It's, it's directly intersecting with the sport that we cover, and it's affecting everyone's life. How are we going to sit here and be like, oh, well, you know – Let's just talk about what would happen if Conor McGregor fought, you know. Yeah, what if Jose Conor Aldo fought prime? Like, what if Conor fought Tim Sylvia? Yeah, what if I yeah. masturbated down at the bus stop? Who cares? And also, by the way, Cobb and I are doing a podcast where we talk to each other in the, our living rooms. Hello, this is a major story. UFC can't hold shows, maybe the whole one on May 9th, because of this major story. Oh, I'm sick of hearing about it. You don't think I'm sick of doing a show in my living room? <laughs> you think I, this is what I want to do? This is my preference? This is my reality. This is my reality today. And because it is my reality, I'm going to bring it to you live and raw and in ways that sometimes might feel a bit uncomfortable. If you want to get into topics that nobody cares about, I cannot more strongly encourage you to go. Because I'm going to talk about my life and the sport to the extent that I think makes sense. And that's what this show has always been about. That's what it's always going to be about. Either get on board or don't. But that's the mission. Fair? Fair. And if you want someone to just tell you everything's going to be hunky-dory and we're going to get back on track, Dana White's done a million interviews. Go listen to those. Yeah, dude. Just feel better. <laughs> find the latest interview where he calls media nerds and virgins and you'll be fine. You get plenty of that. All right, let's fit in one more. We'll do another segment of these, but I burned one whole question. <laughs> So let's give me do, let's do one more for this segment and then we got to go. Mail, motherfucker. All right, I'm going to give you this one here. Well, well, last thing on like you know the some of the negative talk, but I, I'm curious to get your take on this. Okay. Uh, so this comes from Kevin. Oh, this is another complaint. Not exactly a complaint, but just someone trying to point something out. So okay, all right, all right, all right. This comes from Kevin who says, uh, "Hey Luke, I know you are a passionate and intelligent man. I know you are concerned about the fighters, but in America, we are free to make decisions, even bad decisions, that have potentially bad consequences." The True. CDC says that over 480,000 people die every year in America from smoking-related diseases. True. Plus, 41,000 of those deaths are from secondhand smoke. With that said, idiots smoke in America at will. Luke, these fighters are free to make decisions, even bad decisions. Please give it some thought. You and I both defended this freedom. Sure. Okay, so what is he saying? That they should be allowed to fight? Essentially, yeah. Like, if they're, they're grown-ups, if they want to make a decision that's potentially bad for them... People do it every single day, so right. you know why try to stop them? Right. So here's the deal with that. Uh, I, everything is right about that except uh, nothing. So here's the. And I'm, not, I'm not trying to be flippant about it. Um, you're right. Like for example, I I don't want to see women involved in sex work per se, 
Um, although there's a debate about whether you know that kind of paternalism is a good idea, but uh, let's just say let's just talk about it on these terms. Um, it's their bodies, it's their right. F off, right? It's a very very simple concept. Two consenting adults can do what they want for the most part. Uh, F off. Certainly, if it relates to you know sexual intercourse or something like that. Same is true for fighting, right? If you if Cobb and I wanted to engage in a fist fight. Uh, and, and we invited the state to sanction it and to regulate it. Um, that's you, you, I don't believe that the state should stop that in any capacity whatsoever. That's fine. Um, here is the problem. The problem is COVID-19 doesn't allow you to make that choice, right? Because the problem is if you end up catching something, I'm not really worried about, I'm just going to make up a name here. Calvin Cater dying from COVID-19 or something. The question is if they get sick and then they get someone else sick. So now the whole part about this being voluntary goes away. The person is right. To the extent that you engage in voluntary behavior, there's not much I'm going to say in the way of whether or not the state should sanction it. There are limits to anything, but in general, no, that's true. But the problem with this is those are not the relevant considerations. The relevant considerations are who else are you affecting? Now, as it relates to May 9th, Cobb, I've said it a million times, man. <laughs> I mean, everyone, may, everyone has all the information to make an informed choice at this point. If they want to go forward with it, um, I'm not going to hector them about it. I'm going to pay attention to see how it all goes down. But the, the, if you really want to talk about the fairness of the debate... That's the problem with this sickness is not merely what you choose to do, but who you unintentionally may conscript along the way. And that changes the calculus pretty significantly. Fair question, though. That one I like. That's a better one because he's at least trying to get to the heart of the issue. And I think that's right. The last thing I'd say is people bring this up all the time to me, Cobb. He made it about smoking, but like about car wrecks. They're like, oh, car wrecks cause you know, more deaths each year. And I, and I always try to tell folks, it's like, that's true. But a couple, couple things to keep in mind, the car wrecks don't overwhelm the health. I mean, you've never heard of a hospital in New York City having to rent freezer trucks from produce companies to store bodies because they can't leave them in the hallways anymore. Um, you've never heard of that, right? Our, our existing healthcare infrastructure has the ability to handle the annual load of car crash trauma. But more to the point, I've often said this, Cobb, it's like, yeah, also Americans have a real unhealthy obsession with cars, man. We have planned a society where you got to drive to get to a lot of places, and that results in a lot of unnecessary deaths, and it's not great. It's one thing where, as a bipartisan thing, to 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 help America, I believe in public transportation, not that BS kind where it's a you know a crappy bus and people are fist fighting, getting stabbed on it, you know, where it's you know the bus is little Rikers Island. I'm not talking about that, but I'm saying if you have a good subway and a good you know uh, if, to the extent that it matters ferry system a good bus system, a good light rail system. Dude, you, you'll have a lot less traffic deaths, man. You'll have a whole lot less deaths. It's, it's a real thing that I think society should invest in. So, um, so those would be my responses to something like that. Thanks for listening. Catch the Luke Thomas Show live and in its entirety weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. On Twitter, follow at L Thomas News and the channel at MMA on Sirius XM.